Well, welcome to this specially festive Keat Shelley podcast for day one of the Keat Shelley Writing Prize Advent Calendar, a snappy title. If you're listening in 2020, this is the first step towards the 2021 prize. My name is James Kidd. I work as the Friends Secretary for the Keat Shelley Memorial Association, and I also contribute to the prize, to the Keat Shelley podcast, and to the Keat Shelley Twitter. As part of this year's prize, we're creating some resources for our young, and indeed our older, romantics, which includes the life, times and places of John Keats, mapped and narrated on Google Earth. This was inspired by our epic Google Earth map of John Keats' final voyage, which told the story of his long journey 200 years ago from England to Italy in 1820. Seeing as it's Christmas, we're opening our map a day at a time and bearing a little poetic chocolate in each. As this is day one, we thought we'd start at the beginning with John Keats' first poem, or the first of his poems to survive. Keep listening after the reading for a little light annotation. Imitation of Spencer Now morning from her orient chamber came, and her first footsteps touched a verdant hill, crowning its lawny crest with amber flame, silvering the untainted gushes of its rill, which pure from mossy beds did down distill, and after parting beds of simple flowers, by many streams a little lake did fill, which round its marge reflected woven bowers, and in its middle space a sky that never lowers. There the kingfisher saw his plumage bright, vying with fish of brilliant dye below, whose silken fins and golden scales light cast upward through the waves a ruby glow. There saw the swan his neck of arch snow, and awed himself along with majesty, sparkled his jetty eyes, his feet did show beneath the waves like Afric's ebony, and on his back a fay reclined voluptuously. Ah, could I tell the wonders of an isle that in the fairest lake had placed been, I could e'en Dido of her grief beguile, or rob from aged Lear his bitter teen. For sure so fair a place was never seen of all that ever charmed romantic eye. It seemed an emerald in the silver sheen of the bright waters, or as when on high through clouds of fleecy white laughs the cerulean sky. And all around it dipped luxuriously slopings of verdure through the glossy tide, which as it were in gentle amity rippled delighted up the flowery side, as if to glean the ruddy tears it tried, which fell profusely from the rose-tree stem. Haply, it was the workings of its pride in strife to throw upon the shore a gem, outvying all the buds in Flora's diadem. The Imitation of Spencer was probably written in 1814, when Keats was 18 years old, which means he would have qualified to enter our Young Romantics competition. The poem itself does what it says on the title, and attempts a reproduction of one of Keats' earliest literary loves, Edmund Spencer, the 16th century author of The Fairy Queen and Epithalamian. Keats' reaction to these works was recorded by his friend Charles Cowden Clarke, the writer, scholar, and son of John Clarke, the principal teacher at Keats' school. At that time he may have been 16 years old, Clarke remembers, and at that period of life he certainly appreciated the general beauty of the composition and felt the more passionate passages, for his features and exclamations were ecstatic. That night, Clarke continues, Keats left Enfield with the first volume of Spencer's Fairy Queen, but he would have needed some form of carriage to carry all six volumes. Clarke famously described that Keats tore through the epic 
as a young horse would through a spring meadow ramping. Keats was so overwhelmed by one of Spencer's epithets, see shouldering whales, that he became a little whale-like himself. He hoisted himself up and looked burly and dominant. Sadly, there's no record about whether he began to spout. The poem follows the nine-line Spenserian stanza, but as Walter Jackson Bates has noted, the version Keats imitates is itself an imitation, remixed by 18th century writers like Mary Tye, Robert Burns, and Keats' later mentor Lee Hunt. As the opening image of Dawn hints, it feels like an early work by a young poet chancing his arm and wondering what might happen if he dared to put his imagination into words. How might it compare not only to the vision described, but to the visions described by the poets he admired, like Edmund Spencer? The aspiration to write verse, the Cadeen of Dido her grief beguile, or Rob from age Lear his bitter teen, hints perhaps at another formative parallel. Keats fell deeply in love with reading, while his mother Frances was desperately ill with consumption. His enthusiasm was partly fired by an ambition to win a prize at Clark's school, something he duly did in the summer of 1809. The aim was to impress, cheer, and if we extend those references to Dido and Lear, possibly even save his ailing mother. Apollo was the god of poetry and healing after all. And in one of those strange coincidences that loiter about Keats' life, his final poem was also an imitation of Spencer. Thank you for listening to this Keats Shelley podcast for the Keats Shelley and Young Romantics Writing Prizes. For more news about this year's prize, please visit our website, keatshelley.org forward slash prizes or follow us on Twitter at Keith Shelley.